You're listening to the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. Welcome back. Well, I shouldn't say welcome back. Welcome to a very live edition of the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. I'm your host, Chris Brown, and we are talking Ontario election 2022 or kind of an Ontario election 2022 if you were on the ground like I was last week which we'll be talking about a little bit later but I want to talk about our guests because they are going to make this a fun hour together and just an enjoyment of epic proportions our co-host of point of view on the cross-border interviews with Chris Brown Miss Sarah Olson the PR chief of Olson and Biggs oh Sarah Biggs sorry Sarah Biggs Olson is the Olson and Biggs, sorry, it tells you how. It's a Thursday. It's late, guys. And all the way from Quebec, the NDP and former NDP NP for Scarborough, Mr. Dan Harris. Dan, Sarah, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for, Thanks for having us. So I guess we have to get this out of the way right away because it's been declared by about every news station. Doug Ford has been reelected to a majority government. He is going back with another majority after being re- uh, being elected in 2014, 2018, uh, after defeating uh, Kathleen Wynne. And this means that Doug Ford is going to be premier for another four years. Um, as an Albertan, that's right, I'm saying that as an Albertan, I could not have imagined saying Doug Ford would beat Jason Kenney in longevity, but here we are. Dan, I'm going to start with you because Sarah's talked about this a few times already on the show. What happened in this election? Why is Doug Ford still a premier? Because two years ago, I would not have predicted this. Uh, well, I mean, some of it could certainly be pandemic uh, hangover. Uh, where a lot of governments have gotten reelected, uh, whether they should have or not. Uh, but I, I really just think the, the, other, the other two leaders and, and campaigns didn't really excite people. Uh, and I mean, Rob Ford ran, uh, or Doug Ford, sorry, ran an error-free campaign. Uh, and I mean, you know, the, the most eventful thing that happened during the campaign was Tony Kanyeki wrecking his beautiful car in Gatineau. Uh, and that happened before the election started. Sarah, we've talked about this and the progressive movement did not rally around one party or the other. Um, was this a, uh, a reward to Doug Ford's handling of the pandemic or was this a we don't like the other two parties uh, and we're going to vote for the guy that's already in power right now? Really, What's your thoughts on that? I'm really lacking better words, but it feels like everybody stayed home. They knew Ford would go in, like we talked about this week. They didn't give a flying F. They decided to stay home. They were like, what can we do? Ford's going to go back in anyways. So there's a lot of misunderstanding that, you know, every single vote counts. So, you know, when we're looking at the polls, the progressives combined would be able to beat Ford on a percentage basis. Now, they stay at home and they can't get their shit together. So what happens is what we're seeing tonight, like 80 seats, they won 13 seats tonight. The NDP lost 10 and the Liberals got two, gained two. From the NDP. From the NDP. So far, there's still some polls that are outstanding. There's a few close races we're going to have to keep an eye on. But I think it just shows how exhausted we are. We had 
two federal election within a very short period of time. We had COVID. Um, a lot of people are saying that, you know, Doug Ford killed grandma. Um, there was a lot of unknown. We didn't know what we were dealing with when all of that started. And like we said this week, Doug Ford listens and he tries to learn. And I, I you know, I'm not going to give him brownie points for everything here, but the guy's a customer service guy. So he really tried to go back in there and really try to, he tried on his own terms, but it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen next few weeks, especially with Miss Horvath, because it's her sixth or fourth, fourth election, sorry. And Dan and I knew that. Dan and I were running with the four. <laughs> sorry. I was, at, I was at that leadership convention helping one of the other candidates out. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with their leadership and Del Luke has gone. So again, the Before progressives are... Yeah, so there have been some races that have been called and there's one that I want to start off right off the bat. And that is the liberal leaders riding. Um, according to uh, results that have already come in, uh, the liberal leader, Stephen Del Duca in Vaughn Woodbridge has been defeated. So that is a major loss for the liberals who were expecting to do extremely, well, not extremely well, but do better than they're showing in 2014. With the Liberal leader now defeated, is he going to try and pull a John Tory in 2007 and go run in a riding that no one wants him in and lose that riding to the government? Dan, what's your thoughts on Del Duca? And let's well, just talk about his, uh, let's talk about the election loss first, and then we'll talk about their campaign a little bit later. I mean, right now, the Liberals uh, look like they have regained party status, but they're still not even at double digits in seats. So I don't even know if there'd be an avenue for Del Duca to run somewhere else because there's really not that many places available. Uh, and you're either going to take, you know, new people or people who have managed to win despite the liberal brand being weak, uh, which it's been yeah. the last two elections. Uh, so I don't see any of those people be wanting to give up their seat when they have a far better chance of running for leader themselves. I agree wholeheartedly on that. Um, Sarah, we, we talked about the progressives a little bit earlier and in the last week or earlier this week, I should say, the liberals federally have a massive brand in Ontario and Del Duca could not capitalize on that because Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford seem so buddy-buddy over the last like five, four or five months. I'll throw it to you afterwards, Dan, but what happened was is Justin Trudeau just basically saying Del Duca, you're you're out of it, or is the liberal Ontario liberal brand just that toxic because of Kathleen Wynne, the Dalton McGinty era? You're muted. <laughs> I would say it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's refreshing to see provincial versus federal leaders not fighting constantly and getting things done. Um, that's one and you know a lot of Ontarians they're probably like yeah well you know we're still getting things we're still getting investment we're you know electric vehicles factory and all that um, they still see the investments and uh, you know the federal government's paying a lot of attention into the manufacturing um, sector in Ontario because Ontario is huge on manufacturing but I would almost compare the liberal brand in Ontario to the liberal brand in Alberta. 
there's not much to it anymore. Um, there's very little. You think we're going to a two-party system? It feels like it. Because, you know, like, there's a lot of people like me. It's like, I'm in the center with some conservative views or, you know, a little bit more fiscal conservative. But I also have, you know, I think we need to redefine what those tags are and what those labels are to really, because Doug Ford, very often, to the person that does not follow politics like we are, He's just a guy in the middle, just doing his thing and, you know, trying to relate to the everyday Ontarian. It, it, it played well for him. But they'll look at him all that. They need to just wipe the party and reboot and start from scratch. There's no, there's no turning back. It's like the Parti Québécois and the Liberal Party in Quebec. It's, the question is, are we becoming a little bit more conservative? Or have we lied to ourselves all of this time and we have conservative tendencies? Good point. Dan, you uh, you wanted to jump in there about Del Duca and the Ford-Trudeau bromance that was happening before that election. And it kind of probably put the liberals off kilter provincially when they see the big hug in Windsor. Yeah, no, well, I just want to jump on the, the very last point uh, about being conservative or not. I mean, let's not forget Ontario until uh, uh, the 80s had a conservative dynasty. Uh, the provinces often gone uh, conservative and uh, then, you know, it finally it didn't and it's moved around a little bit. But uh, the conservatives have still uh, done a lot of the governing in Ontario. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right at, right at the start of the campaign, you saw uh, Trudeau and uh, Doug Ford and like the liberals were actually out on social media and in the media complaining about it being election events. And it's just like, oh dude, that's like just sour grapes. Like you don't want more attention on this, which is what you're doing and throwing it out there. You want people to forget the fact that they were, you know, there together uh, because, you know, I mean, it had the same impact uh, almost, I'd say, as in the NDP when you had uh, Paul Martin uh, hugging the uh, then uh, head of the auto workers, uh, Buzz Hargrove, where it's just like, oh, yeah. where did that come from? Like, <laughs> it'll take a little while to take the knife out of the back, right? Uh, so I think that's probably, it probably did deflate uh, the liberals from uh, word one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Del Duca was not inspiring, I think, to anybody. Uh, and uh, one of my friends who's been posting a lot of the election results from 2018, uh, just to kind of remind people, because there's always talk of strategic voting and splitting on the left. Uh, but in Del Duca's own riding, uh, you know, in 2018, the Liberals dropped 26%. The Conservatives went up 24 percent and the ndp went up uh you know three and a half four percent uh so it's really it was people formerly voting liberal going conservative that's really made uh this government and you know the liberals they can strategically do whatever they want uh but they really they went after that tiny percentage of people that went from the liberals to the ndp the entire campaign instead of focusing on the big margin of people that they could actually attract back yeah. to form government. Uh, Cause uh, yeah, I mean. You know what's fascinating? Oh, they're I'm back down to eight seats. 
I'm, I'm watching Haldeman Norfolk right now. And Bobby Ann Brady, which is an independent, is leading with 34% of the vote. This is fascinating. Um, it's going to be interesting. In Haldeman? Yeah. Haldeman Norfolk. And you, and you know whose writing that is, right? That Federally, is that's Leslin. That's Leslin Lewis's writing right there. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen because an independent is looking at yeah potentially she, winning a riding here i want to talk about the ndp we're gonna we're gonna go shotgun this thing as quickly as possible and then we'll get into some riding by ridings here uh dan i'm gonna ask the question that's on everyone's mind right now as someone who has worked in the ndp circles who has worked on campaigns what went wrong here like what the NDP like got shot out of the gate and then it just basically they felt I felt like they tripped. Uh yeah, I it's 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 hard to tell on election night as the results are still coming in. Uh but I would say the the campaign it really it didn't inspire enough. There were a lot of great things in it. Uh but the inspiration has to come from the leader. And the leader has to show Ontarians, in this case, um, everything that they want to see and feel and hear in order to feel comfortable enough to vote for them. And uh, I think Andrea, who had all the experience, this was definitely her shot uh, to really make a big splash and uh, to even increase the NDP's influence, even if the, the Liberals are still doing terribly. Uh, and you know, she had a lukewarm debate performance and, uh, you know, I mean, she was sidelined for a little while with COVID herself. She was off the campaign trail. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in, in the post debate, like there really wasn't a, a chance for a bump there. Uh, and I, I think she needed to perform well in that to really show like the experienced hand is worth it. Uh, and I'm not sure that she did that. Uh, and you know all the respect in the world for Andrea and I mean I love the way that they took the job of official opposition seriously and did everything they could to hold the government to account uh, I just wish some other people had seen that because the media certainly wasn't covering it during the four years um we are just gonna take a quick break because I want I just need to do something quickly. So we'll be right back in about two minutes. I just have to be right back. I just my internet's doing a bit of a uh, a hole right now. So just two seconds, everyone. We'll be right back. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, here's comes the amazing graphic. Graphic. <laughs> Let's go. Welcome back. Uh, I'm sorry about that. We just had a brief internet issue that I just need to clear up because it just popped up on my screen. Your internet's unstable. So I just checked and I yelled at my husband to get off the internet. Um, we are talking about the NDP here for a second. I want to stick with Dan here for a few seconds and then we'll head over. Losing? Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and put this as nicely as possible. Gil Bisson has been a stalwart in the NDP since 1990, since the Ray days. And we can talk about Bob Ray here in a few minutes if you want, because the story you told me last night was awesome. Um, Gil Basson going down, 
this is huge. This is a mass. Like this, this is Andrew Horvath wearing this, isn't it? Even though that the PCA guy who won is a well-liked mayor, it was Gil Basson's riding, was it not? Uh, ab- absolutely. And I, I think there might be a combination of things uh, at play here. Uh, Jill has been there for a long time, and I wonder if he might have, in the end, suffered a little bit from uh, voter fatigue the way that Tony Martin did, uh, where the NDP, even while it was going up everywhere else, uh, managed to lose Tony Martin's riding in 2011 uh, because people were, were, I guess, tired of him. Uh, maybe that's what happened there. Uh, I mean, I didn't see it coming because I wasn't paying that much attention to Gilles' riding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if there's a well-liked uh, new person who seems exciting and Gilles, everybody knows Gilles. Uh, there's nothing new there. Uh, maybe they just wanted to try something else. I am... I'm, I, I remember Jill from when I was uh, Jill's uh, when I was working at Queens Park, and I remember how much of a like figurehead he was even at the NDP when Howard Hampton was around. So this is a major loss for the caucus, and I know there was some heart, uh, there was some health issues that he was going through right before the campaign. I believe he had a heart attack, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this is still a big loss. Like this, there oh, yeah, is absolutely. no. There's no uh, dean of the NDP caucus now, is there, do you think? Uh, well, apart from Andrea, um, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of people that have been around even as long as her. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a relatively youthful caucus in the sense of uh, experience at Queensburg. Uh, but that's where having really good staff that have been there for a long time can help to uh, cover that up Well. People get used to the new uh, the new things, um, but uh, no, I mean Jill uh, Bisson. I I love him and he known him for a long time. And the first person I hired for my office uh, when I got elected was the person who ran his leadership campaign. Oh wow! So you, so connections to that man. Uh, yep. I'm assuming you have right. Um, Et on est tous les deux francophones. Ach, bach. I told you, if you're going to start speaking uh, French here, people, I'm, I'm bringing out the Klingon. It is rusty. I haven't spoken it since 13, but let's do it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I mean, both being Franco-Ontarians, uh, you know, we cross paths a fair bit. Yeah. Can I just point out something here? I would love for someone to explain me how Sam Osterhoff still gets 45% of the bloody vote. How? So for those who don't know, I I just want to make sure that people know because people might be listening to this and going, who's this person that you're talking about? I just want to make sure. In Niagara West, the former riding of Tim Hudak, the former progressive conservative leader uh, in the in 2018, uh, 2014 and 2011 elections, uh, lost or he he didn't win uh, the premiership in 2014. He resigned this upstart 19 year old kid right yeah. fresh out of, i think he was actually fresh in out university of and fresh home out of homeschool yeah. ran against a very popular like uh incumbent if i'm not mistaken mayor or counselor or former no, it politician was the, it was it was former politician it was the president of the ontario pc party uh so at this the is time, why we brought uh, dan Dijkstra, in because dan knows be all this shit that i don't <laughs> 
no, it was it was wild to see you know this experienced person who's president of the party go down uh, to the 19 year old. But that area is very much what you would call the Bible Belt of Ontario. Yes, it's- so that's why conservatives do extremely well in Niagara to Windsor corridor. Even extreme uh, again, conservatives. Yeah. Right next door to Sam's riding is Haldeman North Fork, which is Leslin Lewis's riding. So yeah, but still I'm hey he's made his pension. He's got his pension. Uh provincially they don't get pensions in Ontario anymore. Uh Mike Harris got that? rid oh, of did... that. Oh, Mike Harris got rid of that and it cost a lot of money because they had to of course pay everybody out uh, oh. instantaneously instead of over the years hoping that they maybe die before they collect too much money yeah um, um, so Sarah anyways. I want I'm going to throw to you for what's your thoughts on what happened with the NDP tonight because Andrew Horvath had to have a good night to potentially stay on but this campaign sort of like I said to Dan it has before it even it has 2019 alberta ndp vibes it was all for them to win and i'm sure that they were convinced that they ran the best campaign they've run in years but they fell flat uh we're oh, having it's kind of ironic there, there was that... also two conservative parties that merged uh in yeah. order to fight them uh, yes that didn't hurt but, the conservative side <laughs> yeah but that conservative kind of became a little bit more populist so was a little bit less attractive. Um, but the way they ran the campaign, the way they, uh, the message, how everything was, um, it, it has a lot of 2019 vibes. So we're going to see if, you know, in the next 12 months, we're going to be into uh, going to work in election season right now, really. It's the last year. Well, we're in a leadership it's, election here in Alberta. We've got to figure too. out who, who, who's our premier. <laughs> I, I'm uh, pretty sure no one knows that question, even though Jason Kenney's technically still there. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I have a lot of respect for a lot of the like the folks that work really hard in all the party offices. And I mean, yeah. when you've spent time around there, you know what uh, insanity it can be. Um, but I do think that the, you know, overall the depth that the NDP has in those roles is not the same as it is in the other parties Um, and I mean just the fact that we continuously have to rely on uh, a single person often uh, like Anne McGrath uh, to go from you know running the federal NDP to running the premier's office to running the federal NDP again to like you know keep going to the same very small number of people Uh, we need to get some other people in there as well Uh, and you know the NDP, Make the B team the A team. The NDP tends to be very, to keep a very, very tight circle. And it is extremely hard to get into that bubble. Um, but it, they're going to have to open because what they're doing right now is just not working, either on the federal level or the provincial level. It's just not working for them. Like they could have done much, much, much better tonight. Yeah. Given given how the results have turned out, but given um, or did but, people just I mean, decided? Yeah, did people just decided to give Ford a second chance because he had a crappy start with COVID? And who was who paying attention to the election? I think no this one. might come back to Chris's uh, point. <laughs> yeah, no one. 
Well, like I said to Sarah this week, I was back in Ontario uh, over the last week, uh, literally the uh, week a week ago today, and I was talking to people, and what I heard was, ah, I might vote. Okay, yeah, I got the card. If I, I'll go vote, but I got my three hundred dollars for my uh, <laughs> license plate rebate sticker, so I'm going to go Bribed to Doug Ford because he gave. No, and I'm just. Uh, Consider what you is, what it is like. If you think it's a bribe, it's a bribe. If you don't, if you think it's money back from the government because hey, they cut a program, it's money back in my pockets, and that's how most. And I know it's you and me, Dan and Sarah, are talking about this, but most people thought, hey, it's a check from the government. I'm happy. Doug Ford's getting it done and get making my life a lot easier. And, and that's I, what I heard. Forget the invisible license plates by the fact that you never have to renew your plate again. <clears throat> exactly understandable dad it's, it's a very well used pre-election bribe that you know nearly every province engages in at one time or another uh you know that there people are going to get a check or something extra uh before an election uh yeah. so i mean this is nothing new um but it didn't hurt no it didn't um but now there's one I'm less government at... program yeah well of course does fixed roads and all that shit i'm just looking at your old uh, federal riding here dan for a second um and i'm looking at scarborough rouge park right no i'm scarborough southwest you're southwest okay oh, so yeah. dolly is still up for some reason i always thought you were oh, dolly rouge, is uh, doing well so are Dolly's you surprised got... at that i uh, not really, because, of course, if there's one campaign I'm going to be paying attention to throughout the entire election, it's going to be that one. Uh, so I had an idea of what was going on. And, uh, you know, it was certainly going to be that had the potential to be close. Uh, mm-hmm. But seeing what the marks were coming in and uh, all the, the various numbers, uh, it was looking pretty good. Uh, and then the conservative and liberal candidates both had... Uh, Little weird things go on during the campaign. Uh, of course, the conservative candidate uh, used to run um, a career college uh, that was shut down by the ministry. Uh, and then the liberal candidate has a fundraising event with Tim Hudak. Uh, and then you look through the photos and there's people with MAGA hats and George W. Bush. And I'm just like, is she a liberal or a conservative? Uh, so yeah, these it was aren't just the droids you're looking for. <laughs> no, um, uh, but right now we, the liberals before... are a distant third place right now, uh, which in that okay. writing it warms warms my soul. Um, I just want to uh, take a brief moment and go through some of the leaders uh, leaders writings, just so that way we know where everything stands right now. So I I, I hate to break the bad news, but. Stephen Del Duca has gone down defeat in on Woodbridge. I don't think that is a big surprise to many. In the writing of Hastings, Lennox, and Addington, Ontario Party, Derek Sloan. We all remember Derek Sloan from his brief time with the Conservative Party and then his brief time running in Alberta and then his brief time as leader of the Ontario Party. But he has gone down in defeat as well in the writing of uh, Hastings, Lennox, Addington. Uh, And uh, Mike Schreiner has been re-elected. This is is probably one of the big news stories of the night, even though... uh, 
Doug Ford's larger majority is probably the biggest news story. Mike Schreiner is now being the first Ontario MPP to be re-elected as a Green Party. He is the first Green Party elected uh, MPP in 2018, but this is the first time a Green Party has been re-elected in the province of Alberta as well. He, so he's making he, his he deserves the win. You think so? I do. No, I, I think he's uh, done a really good job of uh, getting the green voice out there. Uh, as much as I occasionally cringe and lament how little I see the NDP uh, in the print media and elsewhere, and it should be there, uh, there was always a comment from Mike. Uh, so he was definitely getting out there and getting it done. Uh, and if there's anybody that had a great debate performance, it was him. Uh, so yeah, I think it, it makes sense that the people of Guelph re-elected him, uh, and, uh, we'll have to see what's happening in, uh, another riding too, to see if there's somebody to join him. We are still waiting on some results. The results in Perry Sound Muskoka are getting further and further away from the Green Party, but there are still some polls to come in. So I'm not sure where they are, if they're in heavily. I was texting someone from that riding who is working on the ground in Perry Sound Muskoka, and they said, it is a challenge right now, and they are pulling as many votes, and they're working on the Conservative campaign, as many votes as possible. So I am not surprised that it's close, but it's probably, if if they pick up a second seat, that's going to be a massive win for the Green Party. And the Green Party usually only does well when the Liberals do shitty. So here we go. Uh, uh, the last much. two I want to talk Oh, the last two I want to talk about is Andrea Van has been re-elected in the riding of Hamilton Center. So she is going back to the uh, uh, Queens Park as leader of the official opposition. Yes. Will she stay on as leader? We'll be talking about that in a few seconds. And of course, in Etobicoke North, Doug Ford has been re-elected uh, to his riding as well. And currently, as it sits, we have 80 seats leading and elected for the Progressive Conservatives. 29 leading and elected for the NDP, nine leading and elected for the Ontario Liberals, one elected for the Greens, and still in Haldeman North Fork, as Sarah brought to my attention, there is one person currently leading and elected who is an independent. So I was digging uh, on, on that lady, um, on uh, Bobby Ann, and her uh, firearm po policy is quite interesting. Um, I would, I thought that she might be more on the left, but it seems like she would be a little bit more right leaning than what we think she is. It's interesting. So we don't have the special technology like the actual news uh, outlets do that we can bring in like live feed from Doug Ford talking right now, but Doug Ford's actually giving his address. I was just listening to it. I was totally listening to you, Sarah, as well, but Doug Ford uh, chirped yes. my mind. Um, Doug Ford just said more work is to be done. So he is about to bring his mantra back to Queens Park of let's get it done. Um, what's on his agenda? What is number one priority? Is it refresh, restart from COVID? Or what is his actual now priorities? Because let's be honest, the only thing that I remember from this campaign is let's build Highway 413 through Brampton in 10 years. Sarah, Dan, whichever one wants to take that one. Uh, well, I, I think the, the 413, uh, they've got to get that started, uh, not necessarily get it done, but get it started so that people feel like there's, there's the momentum. 
Uh, but I mean, you know, their their mantra for when they came into government was uh, one of cuts, and uh, that got a lot of that got delayed by COVID. Uh, and now that they've gotten reelected this way, there's also going to be not the opportunities I think for the kind of scrutiny on what went on during COVID uh, that I think would be warranted, given that large piles of money flowed from the federal government that didn't necessarily go into programs. Uh, so, you know, where's that? And now they've, you know, cut with the plate renewals. Uh, you know, I think that's where we're headed. And I mean, they've been consulting with uh, U.S. firms about uh, taking over welfare, uh, privatizing the delivery of uh, services to the most vulnerable Ontarians. Doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Uh, but that could certainly be where we're headed. You know, uh, what, what I found interesting during the COVID pandemic response, um, what I actually find found out is that there was a private company taking care of procurement, which was fascinating. Um, in Ontario or yeah, in all of Canada? In Ontario. No, not all in Canada, but in Ontario, there were some companies helping the government within helping into you know um so we're like you said we're going to see a real shift into privatization and i think it's going to be a real hard shift and everybody's going to be banging their head on the wall in about two and a half um, years and regret the, yeah to talk about procurement and the disaster that that was in ontario um, I have sent several packs of quick tests uh, by mail uh, to friends and family in Ontario uh, and people with young kids in school who, you know, didn't get any or were given a little baggie with two of them in it. Uh, meanwhile, us at our daycare and at the school, we got like one pack a month free. Uh, and you know, we actually had more than we needed and sent some off to people in Ontario. Like that's how bad that pandemic delivery was. Uh, and it's, it's only going to get worse. And that's when people are going to get angry with them. Right. And then we're going to be into a change election after two terms, probably anyway. Which is usually what happens after two terms. It's usually, unless you're in Alberta or Saskatchewan, it's usually two terms and you're done, but let's. You never know. It could be the new start of the Ford dynasty in Ontario, right? Bill Davis did it for four terms, but, and I know we're all shaking our heads, but look at the history of Ontario, right? When people win, they win and they hold on. The Liberals held on for 14 years. Who would have thought that was going to happen, right? Yeah, no, 20, 2014, uh, that was a big, huge turnaround with Kathleen Wynne and their hard dive yeah. to the left, only to then privatize hydro. Um <laughs> And it's not we like don't that. make the smartest moves as liberals, okay? As former liberals or liberals or whatever I want to call myself. And it's now. not like that 2014 Ontario liberal strategy wasn't easy to see coming in the federal election in 2015. And yet the powers that be in my party didn't do anything about that. Well, I just want to talk about the powers that be in your party because I'm looking at Brampton right now. I'm just going by riding by riding. Jugmeet Singh's brother just went down in defeat. Oh, wow. I, I haven't even seen that one because I was looking Brampton at East. Um, Yeah, York I was going to talk about that one next, but yeah. Michael Ford, nephew of Doug Ford, is going to Queen's Park 
defeating the ND, if defeating the NDP, uh, uh, the person who was in the seat, because I know I we're not supposed to use incumbent. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but Garant Singh has gone down in defeat to Hardeep Gorel in Brampton East. Jugmeet Singh's old riding is now in the hands of the NDP or the PC, sorry. Yeah. That's massive. So we're going to take another quick break here for two now, seconds. I'm, I'm very curious leave. where the liberal vote is in that riding because uh, strategic voting is probably what cost Faisal Hazan his seat. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be right back after this quick break. If I can get to the correct uh, logo here. So we'll be right back after this quick break, everyone. Be sure to tune in in about two minutes. Uh, delay there. We were watching the totally long speech from Andrea Horvath. Doug Ford also was long, but this, we're, we're all trying to wait to see if she's going to make an announcement on her uh, future, because during the election, she actually talked about, she was asked the question, I think actually earlier this week, would she stay on if she didn't form government? She kind of laughed it off. So I was just waiting to see, but she is still talking. So we're just, I've got her in my ear, but I've also got Dan and Sarah here back again. Um, this has been a fun night for Doug Ford. This is exactly what he wanted, I'm assuming. The war room is probably very happy. We are still some seats waiting to be called. There are still some seats in the 416 where the liberals could pick up. I highly suspect that they're going to pick up some of them. But it looks like the NDP are probably might look for a new leader here. But the liberals are more definitely going to be looking for a new leader here. Um, Del Duca is out. Let's be honest. He had his one shot The in politics today. It's one and done. If you don't win an election, you're out. Um, Unless you're does the NDP. The, a federally NDP. <laughs> Unless if, but the thing is, if you make progressive gains like the NDP has, they'll keep you around. We The liberals have literally gone from seven seats to eight seats. That's not a gain here. That that's a that's a loss no. in the end of the grand scheme of things. Maybe Doctor Evil was not the greatest uh, leader to have going into this election, but here we are. Does the liberals do the liberals need to rebrand themselves, restart this party somehow by getting a a leader who's actually in caucus and not someone from outside a caucus? Uh, that's definitely possible. Um... And I mean, those folks, again, have managed to win uh, when things weren't terribly winnable for liberals. Uh, so that, you know, should give them an opportunity. Uh, but at the same time, the liberals suffer more so than the other political parties from a hero syndrome uh, and wanting somebody big and flashy to come in and take over uh, would still be very appealing to them. But Luca was never that, so it's it's still no, interesting to me. I, I asked Eric Grant Grenier, on, who writes for the Red, he's CBC as well, uh, about Stephen Del Duca's past, and he couldn't explain to me where Stephen, De, besides Ministry of Transportation under Kathleen Wynne, that was all that he could talk about. And I was like, that tells you something. If the political people can't even tell you what Stephen yeah. Del Duca's claim to fame is, it's not your thing. So it's kind of the fame is actually winning the leadership. 
Yeah, I guess so at the end of the day and then removing his glasses. <laughs> then I'm talking to the two people who are wearing glasses right now and I'm wearing contacts. Um, Sarah, the Liberals are looking for a leader. The NDP are probably going to be looking for a leader, possibly. We're not 100% sure yet. Doug Ford has two years, basically, because they're going to probably take some time to find a new leader to do whatever he wants. He has a majority. He has potentially no big opposition. Oh, how does how do we hold a government like that to an account? Or do we just have to, the voters have spoken? The voters have spoken, but have they really? Or, you know, the PC had a better ground game and they got more, sorry, I'm starting to lose my voice. Or they had, uh, you know, they had more boots on the ground and they managed to get their Go TV done a little better. Uh, they had more resources. Um, I hope Miss Horvath is going to stay um, because we need some sanity in there and she's a very stable leader. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see, like I'm going to have to go back and reread the Ford's policies to try to, you know, read the 19th. I think every Ontarian is going to be doing that tomorrow morning going, what just happened? Yeah, and you know, oh. uh, Deluca. So hold on, hold on, on, two seconds. She just announced that she's passing the baton in leadership. Oh, yeah. So Andrea Horvath is done as leader of the NDP. No determination of when that's going to be, but she is pat. She's on stage right now, crying. If uh, don't tune off the cross border interviews live stream, just tune on Global <laughs> News if you, on another YouTube channel because that's awesome. But that's what tabs are it, for. Exactly. And three monitors. Uh, uh, it's, so, it's going to be interesting is, to see. I need to go back, look at the policies. Um, but is it, it, will the current government will be doing, um, you know, um, policy changes and take action on items that the province will be happy on? I don't think so. Um, since there will be almost no opposition, it's going to be up to the healthcare workers and to the teachers and to the everyday Ontarian to, you know, protest, um, write letters and really do their, you know, takes. They're going to have action. to fight and people like me will have to have their back. Like it's, it's a, it's this a shame huge. because we're in that position because the progressives has such a big ego that they can't get it together just to fix a problem that they're going to be dealing for four years and while knowing what kind of train they're going to be running into. Um, low turnout. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what's... 82 well, and that's... seats, 82. It's insanity. Yeah. So right now, leading and elected, uh, the PCs have gained 15 seats since dissolution. The NDP have lost nine. The Liberals have gained one. The Greens have nothing. And, well, there's, there's one the other. independent. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> no, and this is where, you know, I'm sure the NDP, um, after the election, the spin is going to be that we lost seats but we are still official opposition and the liberals are still down on the mat 
uh, and yeah. you know they really did have everybody coming for them. And this is you know strategic voting wasn't a huge pull; it didn't pull a lot of people away from the NDP um, necessarily. But you know, there's it put conservatives into a couple of seats probably uh, because the you know the liberal vote was held up uh, in those instances, but. We'll see. We'll see what happens because both parties will have new leaders, uh, and I mean the leadership race in Ontario will be very interesting to see because there's lots of folks in caucus to run, and there might be some uh, people interested from outside as well. And I need to do the math also. Writing my writing, I need to download the data and run the data and see how much if the yeah. progressives would have worked together to see how much of an impact it would have. I need to run the data and see what would have happened because there's a lot of what ifs, but and when here. Are you? But... Ed Shu just beat uh, Mary Rita Holland in Kingston. What? I didn't know he was running. Yeah. Like... Oh, okay. he, yeah, he's running a very sleeper. So Ted Shu is the former member of parliament for Kingston and the Islands, yes, decided and... in 2019 that he was not going to run anymore. In because 2019, was... John Mark Garrettson? Was yeah. Mark? Oh God, Mark. Yeah. Mark Garrettson won in 2019 and 2021. Ted Shu then announced that he was going to run. And I can put my, I will put money dollar to dollar right now that Ted Shu will be a contender for the leadership. Yeah. He but I mean, it was, he left else. because it was, you know, it was too much and it was damaging and destructive to the family and all the other things. And we're all sitting there like, yeah. And you're the MP that like lived the closest. Uh, to Ottawa. Like the only and one who lived closest is Ottawa Toronto's Center. Further, like, Toronto's <laughs> further away from Kingston than Ottawa is. Just saying. But I, I think the Liberals need a new, younger leader. Yes. Like, oh. we need to stop with a middle-aged man. No offense, you guys. No offense. But we need... I feel so blessed that yep. you think I'm middle-aged. <laughs> I earned every one of these damned gray hairs on my head. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's time to prepare a legacy and a succession, not just a temporary plan, because we're going to end up in the same seat in eight years. Yeah. Um, but before we uh, start wrapping up, I know Stephen Del Duke is talking right now, but let's be honest, there's not much that he's going to say that's going to shock me. Um. The Liberals do not have official has party no status. personality. No, sorry. The, uh, the, so the only official parties in the Ontario legislature as of now are the PCs and the NDP. The yeah. Liberals needed 12 seats to form official party status. They are still below that because nine would have given them, but then the the PCs changed the rules in the last legislature to make it 12 because there's more seats now. So the Liberals still do not have official party status in the legislature. But let's not forget that voting has been extended at 27 polling stations as well. So it could... Yeah. Oh. Hey, there's there's four there's three ridings that are still outstanding. All of them are in northern Ontario. They're let's be honest, not safe liberal seats. They're probably going to be an NDP, a PC splits up there. I'm not expecting much to change after these numbers, and I'm going to ask this question because Josh this Jenner question got fifty percent of the vote. 
this question was asked a lot during the federal election, after the federal election. Literally nothing has changed. We've had an election about nothing. Yes, a few seats moved this way, that way. What does this not say about the political parties, but what does it say about the people? Are they just content? Dan, let's start with you first. Well, Doug Ford's just won his second straight election with no election platform. Uh, just basically promising to get her done. Uh, and But I mean, very strategic in certain areas. Uh, it's 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 mind-numbing almost how little i guess people are able to influence and i mean yeah if if the people in charge the leaders aren't having an exciting campaign uh that's certainly going to impact it but nobody made that many mistakes this time around everybody just kind of played defense uh which is is weird to see yeah Sarah, yourself, what does this say about the electorate that Ontario federal election, we didn't really change much. Provincially, we didn't change much. What does this say? We're tired. I would say that's what it says. COVID tired us out? COVID tired, fighting tired, arguing tired, convoys tired. Everything, everything has been taken to the extreme. And it's like if we're shutting down a little bit day by day. And that's what the progressives or, you know, the left or, you know, everybody's going to have to take a step back and really reassess their priorities and decide the items that they will want to fight on and campaign on. But you can't run campaigns like the liberals did because if you're able to win with this much platform, with a landslide majority, with barely any opposition, what does it tell you about the morale of the province? People are exhausted. 50% showed up. 50% showed up to vote today. And everybody was against Ford. And Ford was doing this. And Ford was doing that. And Ford's going to privatize everything. What happened tonight? Voters apathy. And thank you very much. Have a good day. I've been in the loop since the pandemic started. I just keep watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine over and over and over again. Yeah. It's Groundhog Mr. Day. Seriously. Yeah. Like, it's, nothing changes. It's status quo. Do we, but no. here's the thing. Like, do we really want anything to change right now? Maybe we don't no. have it in us right now because we're so exhausted so i'm just going to quickly go through the leaders again and then we'll come back for the recap of what uh just our last thoughts on today's election and the path forward as we know we just talked about that but i I have a little a little uh sort of a burning question i want to ask everyone and i i know sarah put sarah in a hot position but i think she can answer it but Look, I won't be. I won't be bad. You can. You can just pass the buck if you want. Um, you can't so with talk that, about what I'm working on right now. No, I'm not at all. Um, so in uh, Vaughn Woodbridge, Stephen Del Duca has been defeated. 
Uh, he's the liberal leader in the riding of Hastings, Lennox, and Addington. Derek Sloan, the Ontario MP turned Alberta candidate turned Ontario party leader, has been defeated. Mike Schreiner, Green Party leader, has been re-elected in the riding of Guelph. In the riding of Hamilton Centre, Andrea Horvath has been re-elected. She has announced tonight, though, that she is stepping down as leader of the NDP and passing the baton. In the riding of Etobicoke North, Doug Ford, Premier Doug Ford, is being re-elected. And yes, we are heading to a second Doug Ford majority and the Ontario Progressive Conservatives. Ooh, I leave close. the I leave us on this question here with everyone who's who's uh, listening to this afterwards and who's who's on the panel right now with me. Doug Ford won this election. The PCs did not win this election. I think everyone can agree with that, right? Doug Ford was the one who won this election for the PCs. The liberal brand federally is still strong in in Ontario. If you if you looked at the polls, you saw that some of the of the federal liberal supporters were voting for Doug Ford for Doug Ford. How does the conservative leadership, and this is a little bit of a touchy situation, so I'm just going to ask this question in an open-ended way. How does the conservative leadership learn from Doug Ford? Dan, Sarah, who wants to take that? Because you need to bring the liberals back to the fold, do you not? You need to bring those, those center-right liberals who didn't like Aaron O'Toole, didn't like Andrew Scheer, and bring them back into the fold. How do you do that? I'll, I'm going to jump. Oh. I don't think... I don't yeah. think... I don't think the federal conservative will be willing to learn from Doug Ford. I think we're at the break right now. And I've been talking about this for a long time. I'm seeing a fracture in the next few months <laughs> by default. They, they're they not going to be able to reconciliate what we're seeing right now. It's unfortunate. It is what it is. But I, I strongly believe that the Conservative Party was not made to survive Stephen Harper's departure. Let's put it that way. Dan, what about yourself? What can the Conservatives, and I know that seems weird asking an NDP or what can the Conservatives learn, but how did the, the, if the they, Conservatives the, want to I, win? I, I kind of agree that I don't think they're going to. Uh, there's lots of things that they could learn, and uh, one of them is to, you know, not seem so extreme and to seem somewhat centered, at least, uh, and that's what sent flocks of past liberal voters to the conservatives in 2018. And they stayed there. Uh, the liberals didn't go back after them. They didn't try to get them back. Uh, and now, you know, you've got another big core of uh, conservative supporters. Uh, but federally, uh, you know, Aaron O'Toole at least was trying to do that. He just, again, I don't think was a terribly popular person. Uh, kind of like his predecessor. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he tried to bring things a little bit back more to the center. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if the two sides can reconcile there either. Uh, in some ways, I think, you know, there's so many people that want the NDP and the Liberals to work together and to like join. 
and I think they, this though? is literally Aren't this they? is literally what <laughs> would happen. Like it might work under one leader that everyone agreed on that was fantastic. Uh, you know, if Jack had stayed around, it could have happened then. Uh, who knows? Uh, but I don't think it's yeah. But it's dark skies ahead. The the problem with the conservatives is that if it goes the way we think it's going to go, they're not going to be able to win past Winnipeg, Eastern wise. They're not going to win it. They're not going to get it. They're not going to get the nine hundred five. So what's easier, fracture and replace those reform that have decided to move on, or keep on fighting, keep losing elections? Proportional representation would let them have their two parties. Yeah, well, you know, we were promised that a while ago. And it's we don't manage to agree with the conservatives, the Greens, everybody except for the liberals. We don't talk about the 2015 platform on this show because I ran under that and I don't agree with most of it. So, anyway, we'll just leave that up there. Um, I want to thank Sarah and Dan for showing up and doing this tonight. We we have talked a lot. We've had a lot of good chats. We've had a lot of good conversations. And I leave on this note, and this is my final word to the people of Ontario who have just elected Doug Ford. We like it or lose it. The people have spoken tonight. No matter under the system we have, the people have spoken. You may not like it. You may like it. The people have spoken. And Andrew Horvath is the leader of the official opposition. Stephen Del Duca is Stephen Del Duca as of tomorrow morning again. Mike Schreiner's back. We might have a independent from the eight that we had prior to this election. But the people have voted. And that's all that we can ask the people of Ontario to do. Go out, check the ballot. If there is less than 50%, is Stephen Del Duca announcing his retirement? Oh, I thought you were just about to interrupt and know. say that because I, I have him on the side of my thing saying... Yeah. I was, I anyway, was just going to say, I mean, only, only 50% of Ontarians showed up to vote. Uh, but to quote a wonderful line, decisions are made by those that show up. And that's true. They uh, Decisions are made, and the decision today is to give Doug Ford a second chance, and here we are. So with that, I want to thank Sarah and Dan for doing this with me for the last hour and a half. I did not expect it to be an hour and a half. I thought it was going to be an hour, but we, we got tied up, and we started talking about things. Um, Dan, Sarah, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks again, Chris. This has been fun. Um, so with that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, uh, for listening later on on the sh- uh, tomorrow's pod or on Fridays, as this is airing on Friday, audio version. Have yourself an excellent day. And we will be back next Wednesday. We're off again next week, but next Wednesday, Sarah and I are back for Point of Order to talk about the PC race, the UCP race here in Alberta, but a few other things as well, I'm assuming. So with that, thanks so much, everyone. Have yourself an excellent day. And remember, guys, keep talking. Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated. To learn more about us, visit crossborderinterviews.ca.